Welcome back to Lead, Travel, Pray. I'm Sandy Schneider, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Michelle Strike and Rebecca Ellis, for our last episode of the In Transit Travel Tips series. As you all know, we love to travel. Although the destination is what I always look forward to, the reality is we got to get there. And often, that looks like air travel. Today, we're going to provide some of our tips for safe, smooth, and enjoyable air travel. Uh, Quick question, Michelle and Rebecca, when was the last time you were in the air? This last week. (laughs) A week ago today. (laughs) And I just flew home last night. So uh, we fly pretty regularly, and today we've assembled some of our favorite tips. And we'll start with uh, a frequent question, which is around booking air travel and finding good deals on booking air travel. And I know, Rebecca, you've got some tips there. I am a sucker for a good deal, for sure. And um, I, um, similar to what we said in last episode, don't pay full price for a rental car. I often would encourage people to try not to pay full price for air travel as well. And so there's a couple ways to go about that. Um, One definitely is to sign up for deals. And there are a lot of websites where you can either put in the itinerary that you are trying to find and then it will alert you or it alerts you on things you don't even know you're looking for. And nextvacay.com is one I've talked about on occasion. I'll add that link in show notes. But I do think that it is a very handy option um, for just opening your mind to things that you didn't even think you'd be able to afford in terms of a, a big trip. And that's how we've went to Europe with our last few trips. And I would say that we are paying on average about 40% of the retail price. So it's a $25 a year to belong to that. And um, you put in your local airport and it sends you deals that are at least 60 days out. So none of them are urgent, you know, that kind of this weekend you have to hop a plane kind of deal. I also would encourage you to join the frequent flyer programs for any airlines that you are traveling. Those miles do add up, and even if it might be a bit slow over time, you can always also move those points over to a hotel or other um, exchanges. So points are pretty portable. You can move them around. So even if you think you won't ever reach the free flight level on a a particular airline, I would sign up for the points because you never know how you might be able to use them otherwise. The same with rental cars. If your rental car um, award Uh, frequent flyer award thing is also on your flight sometimes you get double points so you can often double dip there by not just getting your points for the airline but also for the rental car um, where you can in in essence instead of earning the rental car points earn airline points instead so take a look at those options think about how you might be able to double dip Um, I am a fan of the Orbits, the Expedias, the Pricelines of the world. Um, Those do sometimes have limiting factors, but they can at least give you an idea of what else is out there as well. So that's my best advice. Um, We flew to Iceland for $200 earlier this year. Now that was on Wow Airline, which sadly is no longer um, in... uh, 
in commission. However, um, there are other discounts that you can see like that if you um, just pay attention to some of these uh, discount sites. So that's my suggestion. Just continue looking. How about you two? I agree. I like to start with the wholesale providers. So I'll start on Expedia or Orbitz um, just to see. Sometimes I don't even know which airlines are flying to particular cities. So it provides me with sort of a lay of the land where I get a feel for what the prices kind of look like for the dates I want to travel and the airlines that are flying there. And then I start hunting down those particular airlines because they're likely mm -hmm. to run uh, sales every week it seems that there is a new sale and if you're paying attention and you're planning ahead you might be able to catch a sale for the place you want to go um, at the time you want to go yeah and I believe I've heard that prices often change like Monday night at midnight so I think Tuesday morning I've been told is the best time to look again to see if a flight price has changed Absolutely. I always say shop early and shop often. Keep looking um, and you'll get a deal. And you'll, you'll know that you're getting a deal because if you just go out there once and book, who knows if you've got a deal or not. Exactly. Yeah, I remember, yes. Sandy, when I was going out to visit you in Maui and I was looking at different flight options, I started Googling like when is the best time to during the week to fly there and um, when, when our flight prices likely to change and there were some great websites that if, if you just um, search for it you can find where they give you advice on that to say typically Wednesday is going to be your cheapest day if you have flexibility or if you wait a few more weeks you're likely to be able to get a cheaper flight so check back so that was helpful for me I actually used that and was able to save about $300 round trip on my flight to Maui just by um, using that advice and waiting a little bit absolutely there are so many who don't have scheduled flexibility who are flying weekends so flying Friday Saturday and Sunday so if you've got the ability to avoid flying on those days and avoid flying on holidays chances are you'll get a better rate yeah and I like most sites now, when you're booking a flight, you have a chance to say my dates are flexible and it opens this calendar view up, which shows you kind of the round trip costs from a, a different start and end date. And you can kind of play around with that. And so that's often what I do as well, um, which is super handy because I might've just thought I want to go on Friday, but I can actually go Thursday night and, and it's worth a difference to pay an extra night a hotel if you have to, because the deal is so good. Yeah, I also Absolutely. take into account loyalty programs for this. So let's say, and I was just looking at flights last night to book between uh, the place where I most often fly through that company versus another one that I fly a little bit less frequently. And honestly, the difference in price was probably only about $30. So then I started looking at um, the points that I could accumulate with the airline that I fly most often and decided to book the flight that was a little more expensive so that I could accumulate more flights to have a future flight be free as opposed to saving a little bit of money in the moment on that one. So I think especially if you have an airline or two that you like to fly most frequently, sometimes it's better to pay a little bit more money to get the rewards down the road. Absolutely. And being cautious of booking the lowest 
priced fair because um, now there's a lot of the what do they call those the basic, basic. economy mm-hmm. seats yep. um, that will automatically show on the wholesale like Expedia or Travelocity websites um, and you'll think wow what a great deal but make sure that you check and understand the seat you're buying because you may not actually uh, get to choose your seat Um, you may not be able to bring a carry-on bag that fits in the overhead compartment. There are lots of rules and regulations. So um, Mm -hmm. just be aware of what the actual, um, what ticket you are buying. Don't just look at the price, but look at the amenities that come with it. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Yeah, great advice. Uh, So lots of uh, tips. Thank you, ladies, on booking air travel. So our next set of uh, in-transit tips have to do with maneuvering through airports. Um, And certainly we all have airports that we love and other airports that we try to stay far, far, far away from. Um, so a couple tips on maneuvering through airports. The first is baggage. Should you check it? Well, that's a good question. Um, I'm preparing to take a three-week Asian adventure, and um, there is no way that I'm not checking a bag on a three-week Asian adventure. However, I know that there are people who can pack in a carry-on roller bag for three weeks. So to you all, I say I'm amazed. I am in awe of your packing skills. (laughs) I will be checking a bag. Um, Checking a bag is not always a bad thing. Um, By the way, if you're traveling on Southwest Airlines, you can check a bag for free. No cost. Two Two bags? Two bags. Oh, Mm -hmm. even better. Even better. (laughs) So if you're thinking, "Uh, do I really want to drag this bag around? Check it. Um, You can take advantage of that. Of course, uh, most airlines do charge for baggage. The budget um, airlines are going to charge more. I was recently checking prices on, I think it was Spirit Airlines, and was shocked at the price they were charging for baggage. Um, So just think about your options. Do you have the physical ability to maneuver your bag? If so, you might take it with you. Do you have the ability to pack all your toiletries in three ounce less bottles of liquids? Great. Uh, Bring it with you. If not, um, you've got some checking options as well. Speaking of checked baggage, um, I have always said that wheels on luggage is one of the best inventions ever. I just bought a new uh, suitcase, large suitcase, and I swear that the suitcase is like self-propelled. It has the, f- the four <laughs> wheels on it. Great. But there's actually, who even knew that this was a thing? I just lucked out by getting it. They're called the 360 degree swivel wheels. So I've got uh, four wheels on the bottom of my suitcase, two wheels on each of the four corners, and they swivel 360. This bag will roll anywhere with tremendous Mm -hmm. amount of ease. Absolutely love it. So um, if you do plan to be lugging around some big luggage, make sure that you get a piece that has some good wheels on it. In addition to paying attention to the price, I do think it's helpful to pay attention to the size requirements. Because some of these discount airlines, they actually also make a a more restrictive limit around size. I know we got caught up in that where we thought it was 50 pounds because that's been a national kind of standard with a lot of airlines. But this particular discount airline 
your bag has to be 40 pounds or less. So um, needless to say, we were doing a bit of repacking on the floor of the airport, which I am embarrassed to say has happened more times than I would like. (laughs) Um, But it's just not a lot of fun. And in Europe in particular, they are very, very tight on the size. And they have specific... um, you know, limits in terms of the dimensions of a bag that can go in um, carry-on in particular. And it's often smaller than what we're used to here in the U.S. So pay attention to that. Um, But yes, I would say generally I like to check a bag if I think that I'm going to um, otherwise be burdened with it and not have to wait long when I land. If it's an airport where I historically have had to wait a long time, and it's um, uncomplicated for me to take a carry-on, I will opt for the carry-on. But we're pretty lucky here in Indy that our check bags come out really quickly. And so I've started to actually check a bag more often than not, unless it's costly um, to do so. And I never check a bag if I can avoid it, right? So it's just personal preference. And I travel with so many people at work. We would hate on each other if somebody checked a bag and we had to wait. So I am so used to doing (laughs) a carry-on. And um, I'm close to being a travel warrior. So I have a second set of just about everything in a carry-on bag which makes it super easy just to add clothes and be on my way. It's actually a lot harder for me if I'm checking a bag in order to um, prepare for that trip. One of the things, Sandy, that you were talking about is um, if you can get everything down to three ounces. Again, being a travel warrior, I do um, carry-on bags everywhere and have found that the container store has the best options for really small bottles for your liquids that are great so they have half ounce and one ounce containers and even maybe some that are less than that and for many things you don't actually need one full ounce unless you're going to be gone for a really long time one ounce of shampoo or conditioner or face soap is actually a lot and um, so you I never have three ounces of anything, so I'm able to get everything that I need in these small containers and just refill them as needed, so that's made it really easy for me to travel and go wherever I need to. You are my inspiration, Michelle. Container store, it helps. (laughs) (laughs) You know, this is probably going to say how not vain I am around uh, or not care about my appearance, but... I only ever use hotel shampoo and conditioner and just figure out with what it is. And I I have a lot of colleagues and and other friends who think that's just crazy, but um, I've rarely had issues with it not being something decent. So I am a super minimalist um, and I did just carry on for a 10 day trip. But um, I would say challenge your assumptions around what you really need to take because the hotel amenities are usually pretty decent. Um, even in boutique hotels, they, they, they take care of you. And often it's like nicer brand shampoo and conditioner that I would probably buy for myself at Walgreens. So even my curly hair manages it somehow. Ten days in a carry-on. <laughs> you too are my inspiration, Rebecca. <laughs> well, it's not always my choice, but that's... The way it has to roll sometimes. So we're making personal choices about whether we're checking bags or not, regardless <laughs> That's right. if we are. We are next headed to TSA security check. Typically the most dreaded part 
of uh, going through air travel. Um, if you have not already explored the option of TSA security pre-check, um, we talk a lot about it in our travel blog, um, 100 Days, 100 Travel Tips on our website. Uh, but I think we have all found great success in utilizing TSA pre-check, which is essentially a, a process where you apply, they do, the government, TSA, does um, background check sort of information on you to ensure that you are secure to fly, that you're at no risk. You then pay $85 for the membership, which lasts five years, and allows you to go through the special TSA pre-check line, which is typically much shorter than the regular TSA security line. It also allows you to not have to pull out your liquids. You just sort of put your bag on the conveyor belt, uh, walk through with your, with your shoes on. So there's less requirements in that lane. Uh, if you do have TSA security pre-check, way to go, but know that it expires after five years. Mine recently expired. Um, and there's a really easy process for renewing online via the TSA website. Um, definitely uh, worth your time and energy. It's another $85, but it's good for another five years. You do not want to think you have pre-check and then get to the airport and find out, nope, you'll be headed to the regular <laughs> TSA line, particularly in the Orlando airport. That actually happens no even joke. when you pay for it. So we have all found out at work the hard way, because we all travel a lot, that they randomly don't give it to you. Yes. So I just, <laughs> I just heard about that. That has not personally happened to me. Um, but have you guys heard of the, um, the clear process, yes. the clear yes. security process? So one of the I benefits have. that they say with that program is that they do not randomly select you out of uh. the program. So each time you show up, you'd be able to go through the clear line. For those of you who don't know, clear is an alternative program. It's not available at all U.S. airports. I think it's in about 25 right. of them. It's also available in major sports arenas or stadiums. But essentially, mm -hmm. it's another ID verification process where um, they gather a lot of personal information from you, ensure that you're not a risk to travel. You then step up to a kiosk, not an actual TSA agent, to do your ID verification. And then you move through the actual conveyor belt metal detector process. Mm -hmm. um, it is more money. Um, I think it's upwards of about $175 for that membership. Um, if you do, if you are a SkyMiles member, so if you uh, fly with any of the SkyMiles um, airlines, I think they offer a discount. At the Orlando airport, the TSA pre-check line has gotten pretty lengthy, better than the regular line. Mm -hmm. The clear line oftentimes has no one in it. So it is something that I've been keeping my eye on to consider as an option. Yeah, and I would throw in just one more option there, which is global entry. And so if you apply for global entry, um, you actually get to clear customs nearly automatically, um, which if you're traveling um, beyond domestic a lot, I would say it's a very, very helpful. It saved me about 45 minutes for each reentry back into Chicago, as an example. Um, and it comes with pre-check. So it's only, I think, about $10 more. It is a lot more lengthy like live interview, and if your airport doesn't have customs, like here in Indy, I had to go up to 
um, Chicago or could go over to Cincinnati because there um, we actually had uh, customs. But anyway, it's the same. Basically, it's TSA, only it allows you that re-entry back through Border Patrol to be also very seamless. Nice. While we're talking about pre-check, I recently found out that there are some credit card companies that will reimburse you for TSA pre-check. So check out your credit card company to see if they do that because it can save you $85. Nice. Good point. Great recommendation. So one of the other sort of challenges in maneuvering through the airports is dealing with long layovers. So obviously you want enough time in your layover to get through um, the airport to get to your next um, gate. You probably want a chance to stop at the restroom, maybe grab something quickly to eat or something to take with you on the plane. Uh, But sometimes you end up with a considerable layover. Um, A lot of times because of flight interruptions, um, Recently, I ended up with a seven-hour layover that I chose, believe it or not, because I was uh, flying using my frequent flyer points, and so it was important to me to be able to fly internationally for free using my points, and to do that, the only flights that were available had a seven-hour layover. And I got to tell you, I don't typically um, belong to the um, f- the lounges, the airline lounges, mm-hmm. Um, I have considered it time and time again and have not, but uh, on this most recent long layover, uh, my travel partner actually has the American Express Platinum card, with comes, which comes with travel benefits, including access to the Centurion lounges. Those are the American Express lounges at the airport. So different from, you know, the American Airlines Admiral Club or the Delta Lounge, different from the airline specific to American Express. And it was lovely. The best place (laughs) for me to spend seven hours in sort of a separate lounge area that certainly is not in the general public of the airport. Uh, Free food, free drinks. Um, They also offered computers, showers, chair massages, and express manicures. So um, a fantastic experience. That's just one. There are many airline lounges that are available. Sometimes it's free access if you have a credit card with them or you are a frequent flyer. Even if you're not, typically you can purchase a a day pass or a day access uh, for one long layover for a certain fee. So a couple options to consider for your long layovers. I too am a big fan of the airport lounges. And um, luckily for my international flights with long layovers, typically that's been part of the ticket package because of our company policy. But um If I had a long layover and did not have one, I would certainly buy the day pass because I agree it's worth it when it comes to the food and drinks and just amenities that that are available. What otherwise would have been a miserable long day sitting in a crowded airport actually felt like a Zen experience of relaxation and time to myself to do whatever I wanted. It was um, actually a really pleasant day. Awesome. So the reality with air travel is that oftentimes there are challenges that pop up in the process. So our final set of tips have to do with effectively dealing with those challenges. Uh, So I just mentioned interrupted travel. Oh my goodness, whether it's weather, 
airplane mechanical issues, a flight crew that got messed up and now they're over on their hours. There are so many reasons why your flight might get delayed and or canceled. And you are now in a position of having to reschedule your itinerary at the airport. If you have been in this situation, you know that people are not happy. Everyone is concerned. Everyone is upset. And suddenly there are, you know, a hundred plus people standing in line at the customer service counter. One tip that I have used that's really helped in that situation is to actually call the airline on the phone while I'm standing in line. So I'm not giving up my place Mm -hmm. in line, but if I'm more than 30 people out, um, chances are good that I can get a reservation agent for the airline on the phone faster and they can rebook your ticket. So um, this is particularly important when the flight that that everybody's getting moved to only has a few seats available. It's really first come, first serve. So it's a way for you to have quicker access to that new flight. Yeah, I totally agree with you there. And almost always that has worked better for me. The only times it hasn't is when it's like a major storm and multiple flights are impacted and have been for a day or two. Uh, But if it's just your flight, you absolutely can usually get it rebooked faster by calling or even tweeting. I've got a a flight rebooked before via Twitter faster than trying to wait in line. Wow, that's really cool. Mm -hmm. Another challenge, I think, in air travel is simply people. (laughs) Difficult (laughs) people all around you. I think uh, my biggest tip here is carrying your patience with you. Don't check it um, in your checked bag. Carry it with you at all times and pull it out regularly. Um, It always cracks me up. It seems that everybody's in a big hurry and the reality is we're all getting on the same airplane and we all have an assigned seat. We're getting there. There is no need to rush in and stand in front of, you know, the first class boarding line, even though you're not first class. Um, so I, I can be super annoyed, uh, by that kind of behavior. And so I have found the best option for me is to pack my patients and pack my headphones. So when I've got the difficult people near me who are angry, who are yelling, who are arguing with each other or with the ticket counter person, I don't need that negative energy in my life. I don't need that to bring me down. I am on my way to a fabulous vacation And the best way to keep me in the right headspace is uh, listening to the music that I want to hear that keeps my energy up or diving back into the audible book that I'm totally engrossed in. How do you guys deal with difficult people at the airport or on the airplane? So mine on the airplane also involves using my headphones, which one time I forgot and I really regretted it. So now I have an extra (laughs) set of headphones in every single bag that I could possibly use, (laughs) my computer bag, my purse, whatever. Um, So I have found that uh, I sleep fairly easily on flights. I'm I'm grateful that I am able to. So I have a um, white noise app on my phone. And so I will oftentimes turn that on. And if people are being annoying and loud around me, I will turn it up and go to sleep. 
And if that doesn't work, then I'll do music or an audio book or something like that. But oftentimes just the white noise, I can turn it up to where I really can't hear even the announcements that they're doing on the plane. And then I'm out sometimes even before we take off if it's a 6 a.m. flight or something. I am jealous of that ability because I do not sleep well on flights, but I agree with you. Like music, you know, like there's no one's bad behavior that ruins me and Elton John jamming out together. (laughs) So we just get in a zone and I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry that you have such bad manners. But um, it's really the getting off the plane bad behavior that does trigger me. Me too. And... (laughs) I cannot stand how everyone has to jam up the aisle. Like I had a guy probably rush like 20 rows ahead this week. And I was like, dude, where? Okay. If you have a short connection and I sometimes have, I get it. That's painful. But usually the airline even knows that and they will ask that we let people, you know, exit earlier. But I was like, you're going to get off like 30 seconds before you probably were, you know, Uh, anyway, it's just. It's bad behavior. I don't like it. And the more people get in the aisles, then the more people can't get their bags down. And the more it slowed down, everybody getting off, I just start to really probably get a little more ramped up about that than I should. And I'm like, all right, just, you know, take a deep breath, get in your own space. But anyway, yeah, it's the the deboarding part. Definitely most frustrating for me and difficult people who just feel entitled. Right. And we're all getting get off the plane. Nobody ever gets left on the airplane. We're all well, and it yeah. And if you checked a bag, it's like that's going to predict how often or how quickly you get out of here anyway, right? Like most of these people aren't running down with a carry on. So I'm like, dude, you're going to be just standing down there with the rest of us at the carousel. So take a chill here. Let grandma (laughs) out. Like everyone ahead of you should get out first. There's no reason to try and rush this process. So let's make a pact that we are going to change this crazy airline travel culture one person at a time. So can we commit to good travel behavior, to caring our patients, to giving people the benefit of the doubt, to letting someone else who's in a hurry get in front of us with a smile? How do you guys feel about that? I'm in. I'm in. We could be already loudly use these as teachable moments for my children so Mm. they know about the behavior that is and is not accepted love it may result in slight public shaming but (laughs) i'm okay with that at times (laughs) i actually experience a number of people who are quite nice to me on planes because again i'm so short sometimes depending upon how high the um, luggage storage area is on the plane, I really struggle getting it in there. Sometimes I can do it. Sometimes it's pretty hard. Mm -hmm. And oftentimes if there's somebody around me, they will ask if I would like help getting my bag in or when I'm leaving, somebody will ask, can I get that for you? And um, it has got to be the only benefit to being this short (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) is that some people step up and they're really nice and offer to help. So thank you to all those people. Keep doing it for others. You're spreading positivity. And that's what we need. Thank you. So uh, we've talked about quite a few travel tips today. Um, Michelle, when's your next flight? This next week. (laughs) 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 Rebecca, when's your next flight? 
Uh, right before Memorial Weekend. Nice. And I fly out next Saturday. So let's take the positive energy out there into the world. Let's be um, the person who's spreading love at the airport, which we know is needed. Thanks for joining us for this three-part series of in-transit travel tips. If you've missed our episodes on driving road trips or rental cars, check out past episodes on our website, leadtravelpray.com. Looking for more travel tips? Check out our 100 Days 100 Travel Tips blog, also found on leadtravelpray.com. And finally, we love to hear from our listeners. Thanks for sharing your feedback, suggestions, and your own travel tips via our website. <laughs>